This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Brina Garen, and you're listening to Hex Positive. Okay, kitty, off you go. Mama has to work now. <laughs> the fun of working in a home studio is you have cats as guest stars. Anyway, welcome, witches. This is episode six of Hex Positive. I'm your host, Brina Garen, and today we're finally diving into the practicals of the craft. That is, if Mr. Havoc will let me. Will you let me? Okay. Good boy. Silly kitty. Uh, but before we get into the episode today, I have a couple of quick announcements. Since we're coming up on the Halloween season, or beginning it, depending on how your personal calendar works, I thought it would be fun to celebrate my favorite time of year with some extra podcast content. So, beginning this month here on Hex Positive, you'll be getting some extra episodes in your feed, and I've got a whole deluge of goodies lined up for October, with two full-length episodes, a double dose of Witch Ways, and some extra surprises as we run up to this year's full moon Halloween night. So even if you can't go trick-or-treating, even if you can't go out and party, and I know I'm missing it right now, even if you've got nobody to bay at the moon with, you can still get your spooky fix right here. And a quick reminder to all you virgins out there, don't go lighting any strange candles made from human fat, especially if they burn funny colors. Or do, what the heck? It's 2020. We've got plague, wildfires, revolution, and God knows what else. Why not add revenant cannibal witches and really make it a party? Just remember to pack the salt. Also, if you're interested in getting your hands on some hex-positive merch, remember to visit the shop over on Redbubble for t-shirts, pins, stickers, mugs, all kinds of cool stuff. I just added some new designs. I'm continuously adding new designs, actually, so you'll want to check them out. You can also now buy my books directly from me through my WordPress store, that's brainnickaron.wordpress.com slash shop, along with some other delightful witchy goodies. I will leave the links to both places in the show notes. And if you haven't done so already, please take a moment to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Tell your witchy friends about it, spread the word. The more listeners that tune in, the better. The feedback I've been getting so far is super positive, and I'm very grateful to all my listeners. Thank you, all of you, for all your support so far. 
Right. Now that we've got the housekeeping out of the way, let's dive into the good stuff. This month, we're moving away from the ethics and community issues and into some good old-fashioned instruction. Now, apart from research and gardening, the thing I spend the most time on in my craft is writing spells. There's a bunch of them on my blog, even more in my books. I've been working on yet another volume of them that I'm hoping to actually finish at some point. And that's not even touching the ones that I don't share with the public. Yeah, pro tip there. No matter how much you share with everyone else, always keep something in your back pocket just in case. I don't mind using other people's spells either by finding them on the internet or getting them out of books, but sometimes it's hard to find the exact purpose that I'm looking for. Or I feel like what I want to do needs a bit more of a personal touch. Or sometimes I just run into a neat bit of inspiration and I want to make something magical out of it. And it's the same for a lot of the witches I talk to who write their own spells. Now, if you're more comfortable using spells that someone else has written, that's perfectly fine. You don't have to write your own spells to be a real witch, like we talked about before. But it's a good way of exploring the mechanics of the craft and understanding how spells work. Think of it like making a potato clock to learn about electricity or building an engine to understand how a car runs. Same principle. And whether you end up using what you create for its intended purpose, or just making a creative exercise out of it, is entirely up to you. But that still leaves the question of where to start. So this month, I'm going to talk about the process that I use for writing and documenting my spells. I'll take you through all the steps and explain each one. We'll start with setting your intent. Uh, we'll talk about the difference between intent and will in a little bit. And we'll talk about closing those loopholes that can trip you up. And we'll go all the way through casting the spell and documenting your progress so you can look back later and see how things are going. I know some witches like to do spontaneous castings and then write them down later. I've done that myself on many, many occasions. Sometimes the inspiration just strikes and you go, oh, hey, I'm gonna cast a thing. And then you do it. You just do whatever feels right, whatever comes to you in the moment. And then, oh crap, I should probably write that down. I can't tell you how many times I've skipped that last step on a spontaneous casting and then wished I could recall all the details later, but today we are focusing on the particulars of writing a spell ahead of time. So real quick before we begin, just a basic clarification of terms here. For the purposes of this discussion, we're going to define spell as the conscious ritualized application of deliberate intent and focused willpower for the purpose of creating change or achieving a particular goal through magical or metaphysical means. 
which is a really long-winded way of saying that you're using witchcraft to nudge the odds in your favor. There you go. Whatever you're planning on doing, however you're planning on doing it, this is the basic idea. You're attempting to use intent, magic, willpower, however you define it, to make things go the way you want them to. So as we go forward, just keep that in mind. So first things first, what are the steps involved in creating and casting your own spells? I use a 10-step method, and here it is. One, determine the intent or goal of your spell. Two, determine how you want the intent or goal to manifest. Three, determine what or whom the spell will affect. Four, determine how long the spell is meant to work. Four, determine how long the spell is meant to work. Five, determine the timing of the spell, if that's applicable. Six, determine what methods and materials you want to use to cast the spell. Seven, determine the words, if any, which will empower the spell. Eight, prepare the materials for the actual casting. Nine, perform the casting. And 10, record the particulars for future reference and to determine how well the spell worked. In this episode, I'll cover the first five steps. Intent, manifestation, targeting, length of effect, and timing. Keep in mind during all of this that individual mileage will certainly vary between traditions and between witches. This is just the system that I find helpful for my own practice. These are more what you'd call guidelines than actual rules, so feel free to adapt them as needed. Let's start at the beginning. When you set out to cast a spell, you're looking to achieve something. Usually it's either making something happen or preventing something from happening. I know that's a bit of a reductive way of putting it, but the majority of spells will fall into one of these two categories. Either way, you've got a goal. Try and boil it down to a sentence or two, and make sure it's something very clear. For example, if you're putting together, say, a protection spell, you don't want your intent to just be to protect myself. I mean, Yes, that's the general idea, and that's great if you're doing a very generalized spell for personal safety, but it's also a good idea to cover your bases. If you're worried about a specific thing, state that in your intent. To protect myself from accidents. To protect myself from harm. To protect myself from abuse or financial loss or whatever it is. Uh, to protect myself from magical attack, and, and so on. Pretty much anything you could think of. And if it's multiple things, go ahead and say so. Make a laundry list if you have to, or just go with that blanket statement to protect myself from harm and misfortune, that sort of thing. The more specific you need the spell to be, the more specific your intent should be. I want to note here real quick that some witches prefer present tense I 
statements for the intent of spells. So this is another way of setting your intent. Instead of to protect myself from harm or I will be protected from harm, it would then be I am protected from harm. This will come into play a little bit more when you're working on an incantation if you're using one or actually casting the spell, since you'll need to hold on to the thought of what you're doing and turn your willpower toward that purpose. But we'll come back to that in just a little while. Once you've got your goal, your intent in mind, you need to decide how you want to achieve it, how you want those results to manifest. If you're doing a money draw, do you want a raise or maybe a promotion at work? Do you want to win a prize or get an unexpected windfall? Do you want to make really good sales at an event or maybe run across a lucrative opportunity? Or going back to the protection spell, do you want danger to be deflected and kept away from you? Or do you just want better luck in avoiding trouble in the first place? Is there a person or situation you want to avoid? Do you want to fight your way out if something happens? Or would you just rather escape unnoticed? This is a good time to talk about loopholes. We all know that fate is fickle and magic doesn't always work the way we want it to. Not that the universe is out to get you or anything, but simply that all magic has consequences for good or for ill. The use of some careful wording can help to avoid potential pitfalls, like asking for a windfall and getting it from an inheritance after you lose someone you love, Ugh. or trying to attract a romantic partner and getting someone who's absolutely gorgeous but has a horrible personality. A little extra attention to the details of your spell can help to prevent these problems. There are a few ways of going about this. I'll just give you the two that I use most frequently, but if you find something else that works for you, by all means, use that instead. Number one, don't be afraid to ask for what you want. If you're looking to attract something, get specific. Include details. Don't just settle for, I need to get a new car, but more like, I need a better car than I have now, one that runs well, has decent mileage, isn't horrendous looking, and falls within my budget. Something like that. And put a little pepper on it if you need it sooner rather than later. That's pepper in both a literal and a figurative sense, by the way. Chili powder makes a really good catalyst. Number two, set parameters. If you know what you want, then you should also know what you don't want. And if it bears mentioning in your spell, do so. I need a new job, but it has to be within X driving distance with X salary and so on. I need money, but it needs to come from X source, not Y source. Of course, it can be couched in more poetic terms if you'd rather. If I'm working on a spell and I have a concern that it might get snarled up or that my intent might fall into one of those loopholes we talked about, 
I do a little sewing as part of the creation of the spell, and I say this little incantation just to cover up anything I might have missed. Feel free to use it if it works for you. Needle, needle, weave your thread, and bind this spoken charm. This spell will bring me what I need, and it will do no harm. One of the few times in my craft that I actually dip a toe into the harm nun pool. I mostly find a need to close loopholes in magic related to luck, money, and matters of the heart, but also occasionally with healing, depending on what it is. Naturally, your mileage may vary, so just be aware of the issue and then you can address it in your spell writing when you encounter it. So yeah, figure out what you want to achieve, how you want it to manifest, and close those loopholes where you find them. Next, you'll need to determine your target. Decide what or who or whom the spell is going to affect. This is where you kind of determine the scale of the spell. Are you casting something specifically for yourself? Or is this for someone else? Is it for your family or your circle of near and dear? Is it for a large group of people? Or maybe you're working more location-based, like a room or a dwelling or a chunk of property. You can go bigger than that, but that's usually for things like weather magic. And anything larger than, we'll say, a town is very, very difficult to affect in any direct, noticeable way with magic. I'm sure by now we're all sick of hearing how some TikTok witches hexed the moon, which didn't actually happen. It was all trolls and we have nothing to worry about. Uh, yeah, just pro tip, you can't hex the moon. Nothing will happen. If you're not looking to affect a person or a group of people or a location, perhaps you're looking to affect circumstances. Maybe your goal is to turn a situation to your advantage, to nudge those odds in your favor, like we talked about before. Broadly speaking, this is the idea behind the use of magic and witchcraft to begin with, to use intent and will to change things so that they'll go the way you want them to. Doesn't always work, of course. It's never a guarantee, but it is still worth doing. Circumstances are a lot more nebulous. Usually, I'd recommend focusing on a more tangible element if you're trying to bend a situation to your will or to influence the outcome of a decision or whatever it is you're trying to do. Like, to return to the job finding example, if you're casting a spell to try and increase your chances of being hired for a particular job, maybe focus on making your qualifications more visible or persuading the hiring manager to pick you over someone else, rather than simply trying to sway the odds. 
I know some witches don't like to work magic that deals in persuasion because of issues with free will, but there are ways to do it nicely, like a sweetening jar. And this is also where we get into the idea that harm none can't always apply to what you're doing. If you get a job, it means someone else isn't getting a job. If you get that windfall or that new car, someone else isn't getting it. If you're protected, it may mean that someone else is not, but you can't focus on that when you're doing your spell or it will fizzle. It won't work. You have to focus on attracting what it is you need and what it is you want and turning your willpower to that in order to make the spell work. Everything in life is give and take, and magic is no different. If you are taking, if you are asking, it means something else somewhere has to give, and that's just the way it works, and you cannot and should not feel guilty about it. Anyway, there's lots of variables. It all depends on what you're trying to do. Trying to influence a human element is easier than trying to change probability in the abstract, is what I'm saying. We'll be back with more Hex Positive after this brief sponsored break. Are you looking for spiritual advice and guidance? Maybe you feel there's something in your life that ought to change, but you're not sure where to start. Wherever you are on your personal path, the Shadow Rose Tarot Shop is there to help you find the way forward. The Shadow Rose Tarot Shop offers a variety of affordable online tarot readings that provide emotional support and validation, as well as practical advice to help you move forward and enact change in your life. It's run by Lissa, who has had a lifelong passion for studying tarot and helping people on their spiritual journeys. She's ready to use her knowledge of the cards as a tool for self-development, a way to facilitate shadow work, and for discovering your agency in whatever situation you happen to find yourself. Since sometimes it just isn't possible to get to the heart of a situation with only one question, Shadow Rose Tarot specializes in multi-question tarot readings. These readings allow you to ask several very specific questions around a particular topic or situation so that your reading can be as in-depth and focused as possible. They also offer a range of more conventional spreads, including a Situation Action Outcome spread, a Lunar Month spread, one-card readings, and seasonal readings that align with the equinoxes, solstices, and cross-quarter days. Shadow Rose Tarot is also open for customization and working with clients to design readings that are tailored to them. So, if you can't find what you're looking for, you can contact them to organize a custom reading. All readings are compiled in PDF format and sent out via email. Please keep in mind, per the owner, that these readings are for entertainment purposes only and are not meant to stand in for licensed medical, psychiatric, or financial advice. If you're interested in checking out the readings currently available, you can head over to the Shadow Rose Tarot Tumblr page at shadow-rose-tarot.tumblr.com or contact Lissa directly at shadowrosetarot at gmail.com. Use the code HEX10 to get 10% off your reading and discover what the universe has in store for you. And now, back to the show. So now you've got your goal, your intent, you've got your path to that goal, how you want the spell to manifest, and you've got your target, who or what you want the spell to affect. 
Next, you want to determine the length of effect. Is the spell supposed to work only once, instantaneously? Is it something you're putting in place for a few days or a few weeks? Or maybe it's based around a specific event? Or is it something that's meant to work long term? For example, a luck spell or a weather spell might be immediate and short term, whereas protection magic or warding or, yes, even hexing, is usually meant to work over a much longer period of time. It's important to figure out how long the spell needs to work, because it may change how you put the rest of the spell together. If it's just a one-off spell, it might be really easy, really simple methods, not a lot of components or tools involved, relatively short amount of time to put it together and cast. If it's something that's meant to work for a long period of time or over a long period of time, that's going to require a little more elbow grease, as it were. You might need a more complex casting. It's probably going to take more willpower, more energy to perform. You might need to create a physical representation or a talisman to help it along. Again, your mileage will vary, but my point is the longer a spell needs to work, the more work you'll likely have to put into casting it. So all of this, each of these first four steps, is just to figure out what it is you're doing with your spell. We haven't even started putting it together yet. This is before any components or ritual planning or deciding what tools you need, all of that. The next step is figuring out when you're going to cast your spell. Certain times of day, week, or month are said to be advantageous for certain types of spells. Which one is most appropriate depends on what you're looking to do and how precise you want to get with your working. There are plenty of correspondences for time, day of the week, lunar cycles, solstices, eclipses, you name it. Some witches even have a big complicated astrological chart that sketches out all the various planets and houses and they get real specific with their spell timing. I am nowhere near that organized. Plus, I'm impatient. I generally either cast the spell right away, wait for an advantageous moon phase, or I'll squirrel it away to try out later. Lunar phases and days of the week are the two most common things I see mentioned when timing is brought up in relation to magic. So I'll give you a super quick rundown of both. And then I've got one little pro tip for moon magic timing that I would like to share with you. There are tons of lists for day of the week correspondences, and they all vary just a little bit. This is the list that I use, and it's largely based on the correspondence tables in Anne Mora's Grimoire for the Green Witch and also a little bit on the tables you'll find in the annual Llewellyn Almanacs. Yes, I know it's Llewellyn and we have issues with Llewellyn, but the books do still come in handy if you know how to read them. So here we go. Sunday, healing, strength, spiritual matters, protection, hope, 
empowerment, and personal matters. Monday. Purification, dreams, psychic awareness, clairvoyance, family and household matters, and food magic. Tuesday. Aggressive or dynamic action, war, contest, political matters, marital matters, and courage. Wednesday. Teaching, study, divination, wisdom, communication, reason, skill, self-improvement, and academic matters. Thursday. Health, wealth, luck, money, career and legal matters, attraction, generosity, charity, and prosperity. Friday. Interpersonal matters, love, friendship, social activities, mending bridges, music, and the arts. Saturday. Life in general, self-discipline, building, freedom, longevity, banishing, and exorcism. Sunday also sets the tone for the week, and Saturday is for tying up loose ends. Anything you want to get started, start on a Sunday. Anything you want to end or finish, do that on a Saturday. Of course, this is all subject to when you have time to work your magic and what the individual days mean to you. This is a useful way of planning your spell work if you can't wait for a particular lunar phase to come back around. Some spells can wait a couple of weeks or a month, or you can mark them as this is the ideal time for a casting if you're just writing for your personal archives or for something to use later on. But if you have more of an immediate need, you can pick an advantageous day of the week. If you can wait a little, or if you'd rather work with the lunar cycle, you have four, maybe five principal times to focus on. Waxing moon, full moon, waning moon, dark or new moon, and special events like blue moons, black moons, super moons, eclipses, and so forth. The basic correspondences for moon phases, depending on what source you're looking at, usually run something like this. The waxing moon is for increase and attraction. The full moon is for manifestation and is the height of lunar power. The waning moon is for decrease and repulsion. And the dark or new moon is for initiating new work or new cycles or finishing old business. Now, there is some variation. Some sources will say that the waning moon is a time for study and meditation and not really a time for casting spells at all. Say it with me, your mileage may vary. A blue moon is the second full moon in a calendar month. It usually happens once or twice a year, hence the saying once in a blue moon. Blue moons, magically speaking, serve the same purpose as full moons, only more so. Supermoons, which we seem to be seeing a lot of lately, are the same. You may also have heard of black moons. This is when there's a second new moon in the same calendar month. They happen with about the same frequency as blue moons, but they're less remarked upon. And just like blue moons are full moons with more oomph, 
black moons serve the same magical purpose as the new moon, only more intense. My personal system for lunar magic differs just a smidge from this. Mostly it deals with there being a difference, in my mind, between the dark of the moon and the new moon, and thinking outside the box when it comes to how you use the waxing and waning phases if you can't wait a month for the right time to come around again. Firstly, the dark of the moon, to me, is the night when there is no moon in the sky. Some calendars mark this as the new moon. To me, the new moon is the night when the first sliver of crescent moon reappears, and that's when the waxing phase starts. This is strictly a personal preference, something that makes it easier for me to differentiate between lunar phases, but I do make a distinction between the two when I plan my spell work. In general, I plan my beneficial or attraction workings for full and waxing moon days, and anything baneful, banishing, or less than friendly for waning and dark moons. Again, purely a personal preference. And if I happen to have a need to cast something and the moon phase isn't one I'd usually use, I also have a system for working around it. If you're anything like me, and if you're still listening, I suspect we might have one or two things in common, you've had more than one occurrence of frustrated swearing upon the discovery that you've just missed the particular moon phase that you needed. I'm not great with keeping self-made appointments, so I had to come up with a system that would let me work with the present moon phase no matter what I happen to be doing. Let's say you're looking to cast a spell for success in some personal or professional endeavor. Generally, you'd want to do this during a waxing moon, right? But what if you just missed it? Can you still cast the spell, or do you wait a whole month for the right time to come around again? If you're willing to adjust your thinking a little, you can turn whatever phase the moon happens to be in to your advantage. Time for a quick lesson on magical mechanics. Let's return for a moment to the goal of your spell and the way in which you want that goal to manifest. A success spell cast during a waxing or full moon is meant to attract the thing you're after or to manifest the object of your desire. However, if you happen to be in a waning moon, you can alter the working to say remove obstacles to your success. Maybe it's a lack of confidence, maybe it's stiff competition, maybe it's some outside force withholding those opportunities. Use that waning moon energy to banish whatever is standing in your way. Alternatively, maybe you need to do a banishing, but the moon is waxing instead of waning. Instead of relying on the decrease energy of a waning moon, use the growth of the moon to increase your own power or protection and thus banish the unwanted thing. It's all about perspective. Use the advantages you have and if need be, realign your thinking just a little to accomplish what you need to accomplish when you need to accomplish it. And of course, that's always backed up by practical action. 
So that does it for the first half of this segment on how to write your own spells. Next time, I'll talk about materials and methodology, incantations, preparing your materials, casting the actual spell, and recording your work. It's probably going to be another long one, so have those notebooks ready. If you're interested in further reading about the topics I've covered today, allow me to suggest some sources. A lot of what was discussed in this episode is based on my own experience, but I drew a lot of my initial research on spell writing from Anne Mora's Grimoire for the Green Witch, Kate West's Real Witch's Book of Spells and Rituals, and also her Real Witch's Craft, plus, as I mentioned, some of the Llewellyn Yearly Almanacs. Yes, I know they're all from a publisher that we take with barrels of salt, but when you're starting out, you work with what you have, and that's what I had. It just goes to show that you can make a decent magical education out of imperfect sources so long as you're willing to exercise critical thinking and remain open to discussion. If you're looking for some more up-to-date takes on spell creation, I'd like to recommend Lisa Marie Basile's Light Magic for Dark Times, Brianna Sousey's Making Magic, and Aaron Murphy Hiscock's Spellcrafting as additions to your library. If I have massacred anybody's name, I apologize. Since it's September, and it's time for autumn treats, I'll be back in just a few weeks with the second installment of this episode. Until then, I'm your host, Brina Garin, reminding you to stay safe, wash your hands, keep wearing those masks, and practicing your social distancing, and as always, practice safe hex. Hex Positive is a proud member of the Nerd and Tie Podcast Network. Check out everything they have to offer, including our sibling podcast, BS Free Witchcraft, over at nerdandtie.com. Intro and outro music by Kevin McLeod. For all the latest updates, follow at hex underscore podcast on Twitter. You can also follow me at at Brina Garin on Twitter and Instagram. For more information on my books, you can check out my WordPress and my Amazon author page. And if you'd like to support the show, please visit patreon.com slash Stay safe, wash your hands, and remember, always practice safe hacks.